When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready for some scolding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Misutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to the Inside Purple and Gold podcast, Odyssey's new podcast discussing the Minnesota Vikings. As always, I'm Chase Frederick, joined by co-host Dane Misutani. Dane, we have news to discuss, and this has been a training camp kind of void of news. And frankly, I think that's a better thing for NFL teams uh, to not have the tree shaken too much uh, within the weeks heading into a regular season. But there's been almost nothing. So when we get a small piece of news, a little sliver like we did on Monday, hey, it's exciting to discuss. Minnesota trades a conditional seventh round pick for quarterback Nick Mullins. This is something we discussed quite a bit on our last podcast on the reaction pod. Um to that abysmal performance against San Francisco in the preseason. Minnesota had to address the backup quarterback position. Are you satisfied with the way they did so? Yeah, I think so, just because they did something. And like whatever the Vikings did, I think, was going to be seen as an upgrade. Because, you know, as long as they made some sort of move to bring in another player... Uh, it, it didn't matter who it was because they were going to be better than Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond. And, and we talked about that after, you know, Saturday's game, Sean Mannion and Kellen Mond, if anything, proved that they, like you said, they separated themselves from the pack of NFL worthy quarterbacks with their performance. Sean Mannion technically outplayed Kellen Mond on Saturday, but only by default because Kellen Mond was so bad. So, Yes, I is Nick Mullins going to come in and light the world on fire if Kirk Cousins goes down for the season? No, he's definitely not. I don't think he's capable of that. But that's not your job as a backup quarterback. Your job is to keep the team's head above water if they have to for, you know, God forbid, a month. And so I think Nick Mullins can do that. Um, and and I, yeah, so I think at the end of the day, you feel satisfied with with that if you're a Vikings fan because at least now you don't have to suffer an automatic loss if, if Cousins goes down for a short period of time. And I think the alternative was if he goes down, you're screwed. You're losing every game with Mannion or Mon, who doesn't matter who it was. Yeah, I mean, to, just to go over who Nick Mullins is, um, played at Southern Miss. Uh, frankly, like has is 27, has started 17 games, so a full season's worth. Five and 12 in those starts, and that doesn't sound great. But frankly, if Sean Mannion starts 17 games, you're maybe winning one or two. Um, and so he's had like a couple different stints when San Francisco had their starters go down. He went three and five in the first stretch in 2018, two and six in 2020. He did, after coming in off the practice squad, fill in for Cleveland in a game last year. And, and they lost. They lost to Vegas, a playoff team, and Vegas kicked a game-winning field goal like as time expired. So a competitive game. And like, People might look at this and say, well, that's all you can do, um, you know, because I'd always hear like, you know, Case Keenum thrown out. I was like, maybe they can bring Case Keenum back, whatever. 
Case Keenum was the Bills' backup quarterback. He is their insurance policy <laughs> uh, for if Josh Allen misses two games. Mm-hmm. And the Bills have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. So, like, they weren't going to get rid of that insurance policy for anything unless a team needed a starter and was willing to desperately overpay. Like, being realistic, looking at what was out there, um, as far as, like, third options on teams' benches, uh, where, okay, we can get this guy for maybe a seventh-round conditional pick, like, if you're trading somebody for a seventh round conditional pick, there's a good chance Nick Mullins was going to get cut by Vegas. And Minnesota basically jumps to the front of the line uh, by making this move. I think out of the options out there, he was about as good as anybody. So I think if you can find a really cheap acquisition, it costs you almost nothing and it fills the need. Um, I, I think this definitely fits that bill. A guy, like you said, like we've talked about this. Can you, can your backup quarterback come in and can your team still score 17 points? Because if you need to score 30, you're probably going to lose. Like It's tough to expect an offense to get to that point no matter what. Though Nick Mullins has had some prolific games uh, that come with some highs um, and some lows of turnovers. But he just gives the team – I think he can move the offense. And that's not something I felt comfortable that the other two could do. Um, he'll give Justin Jefferson chances. You know, He'll uh, allow things to be open enough for Dalvin Cook. Like it won't you won't be like thrilled if Nick Mullins is out there on the field but you also won't be like well I'm not why would I even tune in on Sunday yeah no Nick Mullins is not good like I don't think anyone no, is just no. saying like he's if 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 he goes if he has to play 10 games the Vikings are have no chance of making the playoffs no cuz they'll I don't go 3 think anyone, and 7 yeah exactly so no like I think that is the misnomer here that like the Vikings went out and well they made a move they they traded for a guy who can who can win games at a high level like no and that's that's okay that's not what a backup quarterback is designed to do you you brought up case keenum like yeah they went 13 and 3 that year back in 2017 18 that's the exception to the rule that same year nick Foles won the super bowl as a backup quarterback with the philadelphia eagles that's an exception to the rule like if every team could have a backup quarterback like case keenum that year or nick Foles that year they would choose to do so but th- those guys don't grow on trees. And frankly, those two situations were catching lightning in a bottle. Like, I, I don't think, you know, if-, if you did that season 10 more times, like the Eagles aren't winning the Super Bowl with Nick Foles and, and the Vikings aren't going 13 and three with-, with Case Keenum. There was something like, I don't want to like magical sounds a little bit too, like whatever. But like that situation worked perfectly with those guys as backup quarterbacks. So like, if people are trying to capture the essence of that with their backup, like that's unrealistic, but you should, like we keep saying, be able to give your team a chance. And, and Nick Mullins does that. And, and there's something about him is he's played 17. He started 17 games in the NFL. Like there aren't a lot of backups out there that can say that. And a lion's share of those games came when Jimmy Garoppolo suffered a torn ACL in, in 18. Um, but Nick Mullins has started 17 games in the NFL. Frankly, it's shocking to me that, that the Vegas Raiders decided to go with Jared Stidham over, over Nick Mullins because you had someone who has experience. And so the, the fact that Nick Mullins was even available to me is surprising. And, and you're right. If, if you can get him for a seventh round pick, he's probably getting cut. But experience is key. You can't teach that. You can't you can't put a backup quarterback in a situation where, where they know what it's going to be like to, to start an NFL game if they've never done it. And Nick Mullins has done it 17 times. So that in and of itself is valuable. And, and the Vikings got better yesterday. Yeah. And if you are wondering why, you know, the Raiders seem pretty steadfast and going stidam over Mullins. I mean, 
Stidham was with Josh McDaniels for years exactly. in New England. So there's that connection there. And in the same way, Mullins kind of has that connection, not with Kevin O'Connell, but with Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Um, he was with him in San Francisco. He was with him in Cleveland last year. So like they, he's had a pretty good view of Nick Mullins and at least deemed him worthy of somebody who you can bring on to the roster and, and give a chance to. Now the Vikings have not staked Mullins claim. They have not said, Hey, this is our backup quarterback, uh, Kevin O'Connell declined to do that on Monday, but you heard, you were there, Dan, you heard O'Connell talk about Mullins. Like what, what did you take away from the press conference comments that didn't maybe say like, Hey, he's for sure our QB two. Um, it's still a competition, but sure seemed to keep a lot of praise onto him. Yeah, it was, uh, like, I don't want to hurt Sean Mannion and, and Kellen Mond's feelings. Oh, That's what no. it, I don't think we ever have done that with anything we've said on this. Podcast. No, but I feel like that is what, what that's what Kevin O'Connell was going for yesterday. Like, I don't want to hurt these guys' feelings. Like, it's still a competition, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you read between the lines, or just, like, anyone with a brain knows the Vikings aren't going out and trading for a backup quarterback to, like, compete with the other two guys who have sucked all training camp. Like, if the Vikings are making this trade yesterday, on Monday, August 22nd, with the season opener less than a month away, they're not making the trade to like drum up the competition in the quarterback's room. They're doing it because they don't feel comfortable with who's in the room. And Kevin O'Connell said that without saying it on Saturday night after the preseason game, given a chance to, to stand by and endorse a guy, whether it be Sean Mannion or Kellen Mond, he didn't either. He talked himself into circles. And so yesterday when, when he was asked about Nick Mullins in one breath, he's saying, you know, it's going to be a great competition between these guys. It's going to go down to the very end. You know, Nick's, you know, going to have to compete with Sean and Kellen. And in the, in the next breath, he's saying like how great Nick Mullins is and how confident he is that he's going to know the system and be ready for week one, like ready for week one. Like if you're not the backup, like who cares? Like the fact that he's talking so authoritatively O'Connell that Nick Mullins is going to be quote unquote ready for week one means he's going to be ready to back up Kirk Cousins. So I get what he's doing. Like, I understand that you have to put on this facade because it's the NFL and whatever. But come on. Like, everyone knew when when the Vikings pulled the trigger on that trade yesterday that, that it meant Nick Mullins is going to win the backup quarterback job, whether they want to put on the facade of a competition or not. I just want to give Quasi Adolfo Mensa credit for, you know, because this is like the first, this is still the end of the first off season, so to speak, because training camp really kind of can be an extension of the off season in that you're cutting down your roster. You're making any other ancillary moves to fill things out. Um, this is his first off season in that sense. And like, there was a clear need and it was something where I think a lot of people saw, Hey, if you are who you say you are with your actions, and that's been a team that wants to contend for the playoffs, like, this is something that needs to be addressed. And he addressed it. And I think he addressed it adequately. Now, will it pay off? Mm -hmm. Will it even come into play? I don't know. But I think it's a good step where you can say, clear need, did saw something, saw what everybody else saw, and just said, okay, let's do something about it. And I don't know if like Rick Spielman would have done that, frankly. Um, and maybe that's because of maybe the, the ties to Kellen Mond um, with the draft mm -hmm. pick or whatever. But I I give Quasi a lot of you know credit for just doing the obvious thing because so many times in like sports you see front offices and they don't seem to do the obvious thing and it bites them in the way that you would guess that it might bite them. Um, 
So Minnesota now has like a backup plan in place and it's not like the best backup plan, but it's the best you could probably do on short notice. Um, so maybe it's something they address further next off season, but we don't even know what any of the quarterback situation will look like next off season, but this is like a plan um, and it's a possible solution. So I just think it, it speaks well of, Kevin O'Connell speaks well of Quasi Dofomensa to not just keep banging their head against the wall and saying, well, we'll just try it. Um, you yeah. know, when, when, when all evidence says not to do that. Um, yeah. So your strategy as a, as an NFL football team should not be, Oh, I hope the starter doesn't get hurt because if he does, we're screwed. Like you should have a contingency plan um, just because Kirk cousins has by and large proven to be Iron Man. Like he has, he's, for all of his warts and all the polarizing rhetoric around him, he is always available. He's always on the field, but that should not be what you bank on in a season that you want to be competitive in. So totally right. Credit, credit Quasey and, and what he was able to do on short notice and like not giving up a ton. Like Rick Spielman gave up a fourth round pick for Chris Herndon last year. Like that's, not a good trade. That like, still is going to go down as one of the worst panic moves I've ever seen pulled off. Chris Herndon was going to get cut by the Jets. There's no question around it. Like he he was going to get cut, and they traded a fourth round pick for somebody that they then like tried to shoehorn in every now and then, but clearly had no use for because he's not Chris, a good football player. He also sucked at the time. Like Chris Herndon had Correct. never proven to be a good quarterback, or I mean, a good tight end in the league. Yet the Vikings are out here paying a a fourth round pick for him. They did the same thing with Kari Vedvik, like three years or two years before that. We're like, we want to create this kicking competition. So Rick Spielman traded a fifth round pick for Kari Vedvik and dude instantly lost the, the, the kicking competition. The fact that Kwesi was able to address a huge need at the most important position on the field, albeit a backup for just a seventh round pick. It, when you compare that to some of the stupid trades Rick Spielman made, like bravo. It's just being pragmatic, right? Like it, it, this sounds mean, but it's competency versus incompetency, at least in this certain situation. Um, sometimes there are just obvious solutions staring you in the face um, and and you don't have to overpay. You just have to be smart. And I think Minnesota was just smart here. They listened to, they listened to inside purple and gold. That's like right. You that's said that's on the Twitter only yesterday. solution. Yeah. That's the only way that I could ever think that they would have spotted Nick Mullins for sure. All right, when we come back, uh, we will talk a little bit about what does this mean for Kellen Mond, Sean Mannion, other Vikings notes. Welcome back to segment two of the Inside Purple and Gold podcast on Tuesday, August 23rd. Please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast as we continue talking Vikings leading up to the regular season, leading up to the final preseason game of the year on Saturday. Dana, I know you're really looking forward to that. You're a huge fan of preseason football, but I will say at least Nick Mullins arrival spices things up just a little bit like there's very little that could get me intrigued about any preseason game let alone preseason game three the final one um, minnesota hasn't been playing like any starters in these games but we might get a look at nick mullins though that doesn't sound like a sure thing from what kevin o'connell said what do you think is he going to suit up on saturday i think he has to and i think i'd be shocked like we said it's tuesday i'd be shocked if nick mullins isn't at tco performance center in egan today or on Probably Tuesday from him. Yeah. I would assume he's, he's here. I would assume he's starting to kind of trying to drink from the fire hose and, you know, learn the offense as best he can. At the end of the day though, like you need game experience and whether he knows the intricacies of Kevin O'Connell's offense 
I, I don't know if it really matters in, in the preseason, like just throw him out there. Who cares? Like, and so I, yeah, I think we'll see him on Saturday against Denver. I think you want to see what he looks like, you know, with live reps. You, you, you also, when you trade for Nick Mullins are taken into account his reps previously in, in Vegas. And he looked pretty darn good against the Vikings in, in their preseason opener. And he looked fine in the Raiders' third game. They've already played three preseason games because they had the Hall of Fame game. So Nick Mullins has reps under his belt. Um, but yeah, I, I think Kevin O'Connell is probably just couching that by just saying, well, there's a chance he doesn't because who knows with with travel and if he gets here today and the Vikings are technically off tomorrow. So if he doesn't get here today, then he won't practice until Thursday. And then maybe you don't feel comfortable putting him into the game on Saturday. I don't think like if, if Nick Mullins arrived Saturday morning in Denver, I think you still plan. Like, why not? Like just throw him in the game, see what you got. And he's, he's proven he can, he can at least play the position. So yeah, I expect to see him this weekend. And I, I'm not going to say I'm excited about it because like, no. <laughs> like I'm not, but uh, you know, I just think at the end of the day, we're going to get to see something at least a little bit intriguing on Saturday when I'll go into my rant later in the week about preseason mm-hmm. about how it's stupid and sucks, but like at least there's something tangible to latch onto this weekend. Um, whereas if he wasn't, we would just be talking about like Manny and Mon beating our head into the ground about how these guys are terrible. So at least there's something new to talk about. Yeah. I, I think like the only way you wouldn't play him is if you're thinking you should be like protecting him in the fact that he hasn't been in the system long and like, is he comfortable going out there and, you know, like with a playbook that probably cut down a little bit like it is for preseason anyway, um, even if he hasn't picked it all up yet, um, exactly what he's supposed to do and whatnot. I don't I don't think it matters because, like you said, say he looked a little rough on Saturday. That doesn't matter. Like there's enough of a sample size with Nick Mullins. You know who Nick Mullins is. Fans should know who Nick Mullins is. Fans have literally seen Nick Mullins already play in this preseason, like you mentioned in, in that game against Minnesota where he looked pretty good. Um so I, I wouldn't worry about him going out and maybe taking a few lumps here and there. Uh, just give him the reps wide as well. Frankly, give fans a reason to tune in. Um, I know that doesn't matter to the coaching staff, but there just isn't much else out there. Uh, it also like that game will also serve as kind of like the last stand for Kellen Mond and Sean Mannion. Now, we don't expect either to be the backup quarterback. We've already said that Nick Mullins will be the backup quarterback. But I don't think something that's been discussed very much is maybe a conversation about say you're going to keep three quarterbacks. Which one is getting let go out of these two? And maybe like Kellen Mond is different in that you actually might be able to recoup some trade value, nothing close to a third round pick, but maybe a team would be willing to trade like a six round pick to acquire a former third round pick um, just to see what's there. But if you, Dane, are the Vikings, who are you keeping between these two? Who do you want to be your third quarterback behind Cousins and Mullins? Because I think the obvious assumption is Mond, but is that your solution as well? I thought Mond just, you know, right off the bat when, when they acquire Mullins yesterday, I thought, well, they're just going to keep Kellen Mond. He's the second year guy who you can convince could still be a player in the league. So why would you cut him when you could just stick him at QB three? I've changed my mind on that. Like I think with Kellen Mond, if this was still the Rick Spielman regime and we've talked like 
I don't even think they go out and acquire Nick Mullins if this is still the Rick Spielman regime because that admits that you were wrong about Kellen Mond. But there's an attachment to a front office that drafts a quarterback high in the draft. A third-round pick is high in the draft that they don't want to move on from them that quickly. So I think that's why my gut reaction is like, you just don't move on from guys, but like Kellen Mond stinks. And like, I don't think he's ever going to be good. So why not just cut him now? And then Sean Mannion can be the study buddy that you want him to be for Kirk cousins. If Sean Mannion brings more to that quarterback's room, as far as being a voice or being, you know, somewhat like a sounding board, being almost like in a, another coach because he's clearly not a player. Like that's a fine thing to have as your QB three. Maybe you can even cut him and like what I would actually do is cut stop both. with this and, idea. This is not going to happen. No, 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 no. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not saying he should retire. I'm saying you should cut both Mannion and Mond and then just sign my Mannion to your practice squad. Cause no one is going to go pick up Sean Mannion. So then he can be your, your third voice in the room and not take up another spot on your roster. I think if you're the Vikings and you want to keep Kellen Mond, you probably aren't going to cut him because like, you're just a little bit nervous that someone's going to pick him up. But if you want to just keep two quarterbacks and, and reserve room for, for other guys, like position players, whoever, young guys, young receivers, young linebackers, young defensive linemen, what, then you probably only want to keep two quarterbacks. You cut both, you stick Mon on the, or Mannion on the practice squad, and you let him be that study buddy to Kirk Cousins and Nick Mullins now, which is all he's been all along. Like the fact that they've been selling how good of a, of a brain he is it means he's not that good at playing football like because he's so smart at at helping Kirk be better with his brain means like his arm is not that good so long-winded I'm keeping Mannion but I'm cutting both so yeah, no, I, I think that actually makes sense um because I think you're right I mean there is a small chance that other teams would say like well like Sean Mannion I think is a well-respected player in the league not as like a football player but as like a guy in your locker room so maybe some other team would say hey for that number we'll just take them um as our third or whatever the case may be but i'm with you i was kind of hoping you would pick mon just so we could disagree on something but i am very much in the boat of hey like if kellen mond here in year two if you don't think he's to the point where he can be your backup quarterback which none of us think that nobody with who's watched anything thinks that then there is nothing to worry about. Like there is no, like, what are we missing out on long-term here? What can he develop into? Clearly the answer is nothing because like if, if Kevin O'Connell gets a training camp with him and says like, can't make this work, can't make him our backup quarterback. Does Kevin O'Connell really think a year from now, like big enough strides where we'll be very comfortable with that um, without upgrading that backup position at all. Like I, I do think like this does kind of come down to, Okay, if Sean Mannion is, if we've been lied to for three years and he is not an asset in the quarterback's room, then okay, keep Kellen Mond, what the heck. But if he really does help Kirk Cousins, which Kirk Cousins has said, I don't know if he would say anything else, but Mike Zimmer clearly respected the heck out of Sean Mannion. Um, even Kevin O'Connell's mentioned like the impact Sean Mannion can have in that room. If that is a real thing, then you should do it because if it helps Kirk Cousins 0.1%, then it's probably worth it for this next year and worth it more so than Kellen Mond is going to be worth it. And like I said, I just don't think there's any concern in letting him go because we both think his ceiling is backup quarterback. And that's probably the case for like 40 guys out there. So I wouldn't worry too much about getting burned by that. 
that's his absolute ceiling. Like right. ceiling is is backup quarterback, and floor is like I don't even know if he plays in like Not the in XFL. The like yeah. yeah, like he's and I want to make note of this. Like for for as as mean as Zimmer was to Kellen Mond, and all of these things that that went into last season with Mike Zimmer hating rookies, like he was actually just right. Right. Like he was right about Kellen Mond. The the question about Kellen Mond after the Green Bay game, why don't why don't we see Mond? And and to which Zimmer says, I see him every day in practice. Like that was correct. Like he Mond was not ready to play in that Green Bay game last year. In fact, it probably would have ended his career sooner if if the Vikings would have thrown him out there against Green Bay last year. They would have looked even sillier than they looked throwing Sean Mannion out there. So Zimmer was right about Mon. He was absolutely right about Wyatt Davis too. Like people that, but so many Vikings fans latched onto Wyatt Davis being the starting right guard and, and Zimmer just hiding him because he hates rookies and Wyatt Davis is still working with the threes. So like Zimmer was right. And I think that needs to be said because for all of Zimmer's faults, he was spot on about these guys. They just stink. And that's, that's all there is to it. Yeah. I think Matthew Collard tweeted this from purple inside of the other day. He goes, one thing he's never wrong, Zimmer was never wrong about was player evaluation. Uh, and that's true. Like the guy had a good eye for talent, maybe even a better eye than Rick Spielman. Uh, as we've seen by the by the names that Rick Spielman brought in that just frankly didn't work out. Um, it, it, Zimmer certainly had warts um, and those showed themselves more and more. But like it all comes down to talent at the end of the day. And I don't know if the Vikings had enough talent to get things done. Um, so a lot of it did come down to like younger guys, wishful thinking, just crossing your fingers and hoping like maybe that guy is the answer to this team's problems. And it's like, if that guy was the answer, he would be on the field. hundred um, percent because Zimmer was, wants to win. Like exactly. He thought yeah, that at all gave them a chance. He would be like, okay, like go ahead, help us beat green Bay. He knew he saw this a long time ago. And well, the guy's job was on the line, and time. he knew that. Exactly. <laughs> you don't, you don't you think don't he's going to put the best quarterback out there? Right, because he's a rookie? Like, come on. And I, I definitely subscribed to that thought a little bit last year. Like, wow, Zimmer must really hate rookies. But actually, he just hates bad players. And that's that's all there really is to that situation from back in the day. I, I want to make note of, like, this is the most we'll ever talk about Nick Mullins in Correct. our lives. Yeah, this is it. Like, this is it. I mean, we'll talk about him post-Denver game, like how he looked or whatever. But then that's it. Come come the end of that preseason game, we're done. Um, it's this is just your casual late August NFL preseason conversation. Um, I think it's great that they address the need. All converse, quarterback conversations will be centered on Kirk Cousins moving forward. I I just can't believe that we're 27 minutes into this podcast and and we're still talking about Nick Mullins, Sean Mannion, and Kellen Mond. It is proof that the preseason needs to get the heck over and we need to see regular season football. Because if we had to do another podcast where all we do is talk about Mullins, Mannion, and Mond, I don't know what I'm even going to do. So let's get this game on the road. Let's play the Denver Broncos. Let's watch Nick Mullins. Let's figure out the, the third quarterback or whatever. And then let's get the heck to September 11th because I can't keep doing this. I will say, I, I touched on this at the beginning of the podcast. It's great for NFL teams when there's little to talk about in training camp because I think it means like stability um, and just a lack of drama. It's better if like really good teams have that. 
where the Vikings are just like a middling team where nothing's happened. Um, obviously, they're bringing in a new coach. You might shift things because of that. Um, but that's about it. Uh, you wouldn't mind maybe if there's a little bit more shuffling for a team trying to go up a step. Uh, but in general, the less to talk about in training camp, the better it is for a team. Uh, a couple of news nuggets to get to. The Vikings waived Julian Taylor and Albert Wilson yesterday. Uh, preseason fans might be like, what? I've seen Albert Wilson contribute. But frankly, the wide receiver room was just too deep for him to ever really have a shot at this. Um, mm-hmm. So he'll get a chance to try to catch on somewhere else ahead of this final preseason game. I don't think this says anything about Albert Wilson. It says a lot about how the Vikings feel about the rest of their room. Yeah, no, he's he's a veteran. They have a bunch of young receivers. Albert Wilson never had a chance. I think he deep down knew that even when he signed here, this was just a chance for him to showcase his skills for another team. That's something a lot of guys talk about. Well, in the training camp, I might not make this roster, but 31 other teams are watching when preseason's rolling. Albert Wilson could probably help someone. I would imagine someone out there only has four good receivers and is probably searching for a fifth. He can play a little. I I mean, if if Albert Wilson's your starting receiver, you're probably bad, but he could help the room. So I, I think it's actually good on the Vikings to cut him yesterday, give him another extra few days to, to catch on if that's a, if that's a possibility, they knew he wasn't making the 53. He was probably going to get cut today when they dropped down to 80. So cut him now and then move on. Give him a chance. One more news nugget, Irv Smith back at practice. That that's great. Irv Smith was limited yesterday. Let's call it like they don't have like the designations of, of practice participation in, in the preseason, like they do in the regular season. I think if you looked at an injury report, in a week, Irv Smith would have been classified as limited in practice. But we saw him yesterday. He was hitting the blocking bag with a, a splint on his thumb. Um, I don't think I didn't see him catch any passes, which isn't surprising because why would you risk, uh, you know, a jam thumb at this point? But the fact that he's back on the grass, um, I, it feels pretty significant. I th- I, th- I thought. You know, there's a chance that maybe Kevin O'Connell is just going to be optimistic, overly optimistic with all these injuries, because it seems like whoever's gotten hurt in training camp has been like, yeah, he's going to be fine. Um, Yeah, I'll be ready for week one. So I had my doubts about Irv Smith, but the fact that he's back on the grass, he's definitely not going to play against the Denver Broncos on Saturday. But there's no reason to to doubt that he's going to be ready for week one if he's already back out there practicing. We haven't had any Kevin O'Connell just a little tweak uh, moments yet to doubt him with injury designations like we did with Zimmer and Daniil Hunter. But uh, Andrew Booth Jr., the corner who we saw get hurt um, in Saturday's game, O'Connell did say with that ankle, it's a little bit more than day-to-day, but expects him to be greenlit for the regular season opener. What does a little bit more than day-to-day mean? Does that mean week-to-week? Does that well, mean month-to-month? Okay. Month? What if it's three days to three days? What do you call that? <laughs> What if it's like, well, Thursday, he might be out there Thursday, but I can't, we know he's not going to be out there Tuesday or Wednesday. The boxes are too broad. So so now we go with a little bit more than day to day, or he could have went with a little bit less than week to week, but one sounds more (laughs) optimistic than the other. What sounds better? (laughs) You're right. You're right. I'm sorry for doubting Kevin O'Connell and and his, the way he talks about it. He talks more. We've seen it. I mean, all his answers are like 150 words. The man's a wordsmith. All right, welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold, Odyssey's new Vikings podcast. Jace Frederick, Damian Zutani here. We're going to bust out of the news preseason nuggets 
Thank mode. God. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. I can't talk about Nick Mullins anymore. Yeah, we'd stretch that as far as we can go. Dave, let's get into the top 100. Uh, the NFL's top 100, always voted on by players. We are now through. Names 100 through 21 have been mm-hmm. named. And what are we at? Are we at two Minnesota Vikings? We're at two. We're at two, two. Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> We're at two Minnesota Vikings. One was uh, 99. Two. Kirk, Kirk Cousins, was 99. the quarterback, yeah, checks in at 99 on the list. Um behind quarterbacks like Mac Jones and Derek Carr. And then player number two for the Vikings at number 31 was Dalvin Cook. And that's all we're at uh, with 20 more names to go. First off, we'll get into like Kirk's rate rating, but um, what does that say about Minnesota? And I get it. These are subjective. These are player ratings. A lot of it can be kind of popularity. There are certainly some ones where you shake your head at like, Trayvon Diggs is like 23. That's insanely mm-hmm. high. It's like 20 spots higher than Justin Herbert, who is in- incredible. Um, obviously one of the best you know quarterbacks in the NFL. Shouldn't be close, but so it is a little bit of popularity. But I mean, I do think generally like out of the top 100, they probably hit 90 of the top 100 actual players, something to that effect. So what does it say to you that the Vikings have two and are probably going to finish with three players out of 100? It's not good. I'd rather have I'd rather have more. I'm probably gonna lose the bet. You you took under four and a half like last week. I took over four and a half last week. Like I definitely lost. They they don't have three names in the top twenty. <laughs> like so, like it's not good. And the like the actual rankings, like where people slot in at like you know twenty two or rather than thirty one or whatever. That is subjective, but I think you're right. Like generally the hundred, the 90 out of a hundred best players in the league are in this list. Like, There's no one really like egregious that gets left out. And, and if there is, it's, it's only like a handful of names. So all that being said, like the fact that the Vikings only have three people in the top hundred players in the league, not great, not, not great at all. And you're one, one of your players was literally on the fringe 99 like i i don't know like that doesn't necessarily mean the vikings are going to miss the playoffs and be terrible this year but it's a very like easy way to look at something and be like they, they are pretty average like they don't have a lot of top tier talent on the team and they don't they just have one super duper good player in justin jefferson which i'm very curious to see where he ends up like you said, he's in the top 20. We know that. Is he in the top 10? Like, I, I would guess maybe. Like, But that's normally reserved for quarterbacks. Dalvin's 31. Kirk's 99. Like, You don't have a ton of talent on this roster. And it, I guess there's some unproven guys too. But what three names says to me is a lot of things have to go right for this team to go on a run. I think Dalvin at 31 was pretty generous, frankly. Like, I'm not saying that that's not where he should be, but I think he definitely got his proper respect. Um, he comes in ahead of the likes of, you know, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, uh, Austin Eckler, like really good running backs and Cook checks in ahead of them. Now, certainly there will be running backs ahead of him as well, but I think he's pretty properly rated, um, especially for a guy who, um, you know, has had some injuries and whatnot and, and wasn't as productive last year um, as he's been in years past so i think he gets respected what did you think of kirk cousins coming in at 99 because you know that is after like it's 14 spots behind mac jones it's like 30 spots behind Derek carr um people who he's usually tiered with uh 
what did you think of that? Is that fair? And who would you rather have heading into this season specifically? I think it's proof that this is kind of a popularity contest, at least a little. It's voted on by players. Like, Mac Jones is not 14 spots better than Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is better than Mac Jones right now. Like, I know you're a big Mac Jones guy, Jason, and and think the Vikings should have drafted him two years ago. And I don't necessarily think you're wrong. But right now, like, who would you rather have next year? Who's the better player? It's Kirk Cousins, 10 times out of 10. I truly believe that. So the fact that Mac Jones is 14 spots higher, that you kind of lose me there. The fact that Derek Carr's 30 spots higher, you definitely lose me there. I think that's almost egregious. Like, more in the other direction, more that Derek Carr is rated in the 70s or the 60s. 60s, yeah. Yeah, more that he's less about Kirk Cousins being in the 90s and more about Derek Carr being in the 60s. Because while I would rather have Derek Carr if I was starting a team, this season to answer your question. He's not 30 spots better than Kirk in these made up arbitrary rankings. I think if, if Kirk's in the nineties, Derek Carr should also be in the nineties and Mac Jones should probably be in the hundreds. I think if, if Kirk's in the eighties, Derek Carr should also be in the eighties and, and, and Mac Jones should maybe be in the nineties. I think those three, like you said, are, are always pretty consistently lumped together for good reason. I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. But I think Kirk Cousins slotting in at 99 and looking at some of where his counterparts have slotted in after him, a little unfair. And I, I am not a Kirk Cousins stan. I am a Kirk Cousins critic. But I can admit that he should probably be ranked higher. It'll be interesting, like the the Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins discussion. It's like they really are put side by side um, almost all the time. But yet I think the narrative generally like – I, I generally think the consensus is that people think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins and would prefer Derek Carr over Kirk Cousins. And yet then people here locally are always like, why is Derek Carr ahead of Kirk Cousins? Um, I think this is going to be the best year to gauge that uh, because totally. now like like Kirk Cousins these last couple of years has had a top five NFL wide receiver at his disposal. And I certainly think that's a boost. Um, and he's always had Adam Thielen and either Stefan Diggs or Justin Jefferson. Well, that's going to make you look pretty good, offensive line or not. Dalvin Cook's going to make you look pretty good, offensive line or not. I think the weapons this year now with Devontae Adams going to Vegas are very comparable. So I'm going to be interested to see, numbers-wise, who looks better, um, just, just like the eye test, and who wins more games. Because Carr, probably with a little less last year, went to the playoffs. Just like Mac Jones, offensively, skill position-wise, with Much significantly less. less, went to yeah. the playoffs. Um, so like it, it does come down to winning. That's the case in every sport with ranking anybody do you win or do you not fair or not? Like that's it's, we see that all the time with NBA players who put up ridiculous numbers, but they don't win. It's like, you're going to be rated behind the guys who do win. Um, So we're going to see with that. And I think the fact that Carr was in the playoffs and Mac Jones is in the playoffs meant for a lot of these players and whatnot, like they have more respect for those guys than they do for Kirk cousins. Now Kirk can like kind of write that narrative this year. Um, That's on him, frankly, um, because if he has an excellent year and impacts winning, the Vikings probably will be in the playoffs um, because it's not that tough of a climb in the NFC this year, uh, especially with what they seem to have. The other thing I get out of these top 100 is it's going to be like disrespect revenge season for the defense in so many different ways. Um, Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, like Eric Kendricks, all these guys who probably feel like they're top 100 players and none of them were put on there. The Vikings defense will not have a top 100 player. Those guys are all going to have a massive chip on their shoulder and an opportunity to prove that if their peers think they're finished, they're not. Um, So that's going to be really interesting to see. And I would almost be interested if people ask them about that. 
how do you feel like that? Clearly nobody thinks that you guys who have these great pedigrees are of like our high quality players anymore. Yeah. Like the fact that uh, league wide, the, the players like, again, these, this, these, these rankings are voted up by the players, like right by your peers so that your peers think your defense sucks. And I guess there's evidence to prove that it hasn't been good in two years. So maybe players are like, yeah, the Vikings have been a terrible defense for the last two years. Why would I vote any of them in into the top hundred? And they might know better. They might be like, you know what? I've went up against Harris Smith. He's not as good anymore. I went up against Eric Kendricks. He wasn't as good last year, or he made a few mistakes. I understand Hunter and Zadarius Smith. Like they've been off the field. Kind of hard to rate them really high. Kind of hard to think of them in that light, I guess, so to speak. Um, But yeah, like I think they would probably still take exception to it. And I certainly think Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks will take exception to it. So it's kind of a prove it thing. There's so many guys on the defensive side where it is a prove it season for them that it's going to be really intriguing to watch that unit. And this only kind of adds a little fuel to that fire. I do think that that unit is probably being overlooked. I don't know if underrated is correct because they might be properly rated. We just don't know. There's just a lot of unknowns about the defense and the switch to the three, four. So maybe next year we're, 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 we're circling back and saying, Oh yeah, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith still really good. They're in the top hundred. And like, at, at that point, you can look back on the rankings this year and be like, they should have been rated. But I think right now, yeah, it's probably fair because why would you put them in the top 100? Daniel Hunter hasn't played in two years. Darius Smith didn't play last year. Like, they don't deserve to be in the top 100 because you have to be on the field to be rated, in my opinion. Um, you, you talked about Dalvin Cook. Like, There's not much to say about it. 31 feels fair. Like, He's really good. He's dynamic. We know that. There's a little bit of injury concern there, but I think he's even someone who's gotten labeled as injury prone when like he's actually been available more often than not. He's like throughout he's his career. Like, you know, he'll miss a couple games a year, but that's it. Um, yeah. Like we saw him literally play with like this big shoulder device last year. And it's like, I'm going to yeah. go play on Thursday night um, and played well. So <laughs> yeah, he, he pushes through a lot of stuff. Um, he gets hurt every year, but it doesn't like cause him to miss a ton of games. Yeah, I think there's like this misconception throughout the league that Dalvin Cook only plays like eight games a year. And just because he suffered an ACL and he seems to get a little bit banged up throughout every season, but he's been on the field more often than not. And I think that's probably why you see him slot in at 31. Like, again, going back to the fact that players do this, like they know going up against Dalvin Cook probably isn't very fun. Like if you're a defensive player voting on this list and other offensive players probably look at Dalvin Cook as like, yeah, I wish he was on my side of the ball or I wish he was on my team. 31 feels fair. Not much to say about that. We, we can close on this. Like Justin Jefferson, how high is too high for you? Where do you think, like, is he a top 10 player in the league? Like, I think he's fringe. Like, where do you think he slots in? And and, and we can circle back on this next week when, when, when the lists finally kind of conclude. Yeah, so... The one last point I wanted to make on running backs is that when this list comes out, I think it's super intriguing that NFL teams don't value the running back position. And and there's reasons for that with salary cap depth, how much drop off there is. But when it comes to players voting on it, they stuff the top 100 with running backs. And maybe those are just the names they know, too. But, man, it's like they just hammer running backs like these are the best players in the NFL. And, and yet none of those guys are paid like the best players in the NFL. Um, yeah, Jefferson originally, when this was coming out and I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, Justin Jefferson around like 19. Um, I think he's going to be higher. I think Jamar Chase was like 24. And I think Justin Jefferson is at this point, 
one year ahead of him in the NFL kind of curve. I think he's significantly better than Jamar Chase. I think he'll be more respected and viewed in that light as well. I think he's going to be like right on the edge of top 10. I'm going to guess he comes in at like 12 now, uh, but I think it's going to be right about there. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's probably not like, I think there's a chance that, that Justin Jefferson is objectively a top 10 player, but looking at this list, I would imagine a good part of the top 10 or at least an, a few spots will be reserved for quarterbacks. Um so I think Justin Jefferson probably slots out right on the fringe of the top 10. I would probably say 12 seems fair. Seems significant to me. Like Stefan Diggs was, was 26. Like, yeah. Yep. He's, I mean, he's still really, really good. That, that feels, that feels low to me or, or higher, but however we want to say it, like Stephon wasn't his Diggs best and- statistical season last year. Um, well, it was a drop off at least from where he was a year sure. ago. So he ranked, I think, like he was 11 11th yeah 11th mm-hmm. last year and then he comes back at 26 there was the statistical drop off but i mean it was still pretty dang good um i i do think probably in the playoff games he got like bracketed a little bit like in that chiefs game he posted like nothing for stats that i went to gabriel davis because the chiefs took him out of the game mm-hmm. players see those playoff games and maybe that rates into it a little bit too uh but yeah it was surprising like trayvon dick should not have been ahead of <laughs> stefan dicks his brother yeah there's no question about that yeah, he records a lot of interceptions because Trayvon Diggs gets thrown at all the time. A ton. So. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we will talk Justin Jefferson and his rating next week. When that comes out, we'll see where he fits into the top 20, uh, maybe top 10. We'll see. Before that, though, we'll be back with you on Thursday previewing the final <laughs> preseason game between Minnesota made and it. Denver. Dane, we will finally allow to unleash on his ultimate thoughts and feelings um, about the preseason and it's insane value uh, for teams, fans, all of us, and just the the greatness that it brings to the NFL. Uh, Until then, thanks much for listening. Uh, Please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast inside purple and gold Odyssey's new Vikings podcast for Dane and Jace. um, We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.